every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome everybody to First Draft for this week. The week before the NFL Combine. We'll be there live. Should be fun. Uh, but this week I wanted to go away a little bit from some of the big names in the draft and mix in some of the big names in what is quietly a week that is actually bigger than the Super Bowl. NFL free agency, NFL trade season. Uh, I look at the traffic, it gets nuts, Mel and Todd. I wanted to get some of these names out here just because these guys are floating themselves out in the conversation. I'll start right off at the top, Mel, as an example of the direction we're going. If you're the San Francisco 49ers, would you rather mm-hmm. flip a first or second round pick for one Antonio Brown, or would you rather just get your own guy with one of those picks? Well, that's, that's the tough question. I think a lot of teams are going to have to answer in terms of Antonio Brown. Oakland Raiders have a lot of first round picks, so they're going to be debating that as well. I think the 49ers are in a position, if you look what they have right now, uh, yeah, Dante Pettis was a second round pick. We'll see how he develops, but he has some veterans. You got some young kids as well there. And obviously the key weapon for Jimmy Garoppolo coming back into the fold will again be George Kittle and, uh, you know, the tight end. They seem to factor him in. He's the, the go-to guy basically. I think you need somebody else in there. Antonio Brown seemed like he wanted to be a 49er. I saw the picture with the 49er uniform on, but, um, <laughs> that's a tough debate. That's a tough call there. This receiving core in the draft is, it's got depth. But it doesn't have a lot of, of guaranteed big timers at the top unless you thought, if you like the big physically imposing DK Metcalf, you like the diminutive dynamo and Marquise Hollywood Brown. I think a sleeper in this group that nobody's talking about, but they will probably down the road is Preston Williams from Colorado State, who was formerly of Tennessee, had a unbelievable year at Colorado State. Has everything it takes. I think he, on talent, he's a first round pick. He'll probably end up being a second round pick. Uh, Paris Campbell after the combine, I think will be a little more highly regarded than he is right now. We'll have to see about Hakeem Butler, Iowa State, what he runs and some of these other big receivers like JJ Arcego Whiteside from Stanford and, um, uh, Harmon from, uh, NC State. But I think you look at this draft overall, I would probably, if I'm first round, you know, Oakland, it's tempting. <sighs> Are you guaranteed one of the top three picking at 24? Maybe one of those guys, Todd, is still there. Maybe an A.J. Brown's still there. Uh, that's a tough call. I, I'd probably go, you know, Antonio Brown's tempting. I mean, he for a team that feels like he, he can be our featured guy, he's a great player. If you're Oakland, would you go up to 24th or 27th pick? And, and uh, for Antonio Brown, John Gruden may say, hey, he's better than any receiver in this draft by a mile. Yeah, and he – he doesn't care, you know. He'll he thinks he can manage the the off the field antics and everything else. But do you have a quarterback that's going to take advantage? And I think that's a big part of this because Derek Carr historically has really been a short to intermediate passer. His offense, Gruden's offense, has featured a lot of the underneath stuff and run after catch. And obviously, Antonio can create after the catch. But what he's done best, and the reason why he and Ben throw away off the field have gotten along so well on the field is that he can get vertical and Ben has one of the the big time arms in the NFL. And so I 
you know, Derek can get it down there, but he just doesn't like to hang in the pocket that long, and he he's just not a big play quarterback. And Garoppolo has a little bit more of that, but I don't know. I think you have to have a guy that really a, a quarterback and an offensive coordinator slash head coach that are committed to throwing the ball vertically if you're going to get the most out of Antonio Brown. You guys, I'll bring this up too because I keep hearing, you know, Antonio Brown. This is a guy; he's great. He's in his prime. I put all the put all the antics, put all the pitches to teams on social media. Just put all that aside and just pretend he is exactly what he's been during his career, which is a really hardworking guy that produces. He's turns thirty one this off season, Mel. The idea that you're getting five good years of Antonio Brown and, and you might mm-hmm. give up a first-round pick in the process. I don't necessarily right. know that that's true. I get it. Nobody should be thinking about a five-year plan in the NFL. You get about 24 months to play with, uh, in most cases, in terms of planning outside of the quarterback position. But I, I guess that's one thing that I think is is getting put to the side a little bit more than maybe it should, is that you're not buying up Antonio Brown's 26 through 31 years here. Well, I think you have to look at this. Are, are they guaranteed, the rookie receivers guaranteed to be great? No, they're not. There's been a lot of busts at that position. Look no further than Kevin White. Look at Amari Cooper. That would be basically, would you trade, if you're John Gruden, would you trade Amari Cooper for Antonio Brown? That's what it kind of boils down to. And it's interesting in this draft how Browns are wild. we got Antonio Brown we're talking about here. And we got Marquise Hollywood Brown. we got A.J. Brown. So all the Browns are kind of involved in this whole discussion. But, you know, at least with Antonio Brown, you know you're getting a dynamic, Top flight receiver. The young kids, who knows? Yeah, but again, to that point, the age point, one of the reasons the Cowboys were willing to pull the trigger on that Amari Cooper deal in the first place is he's still relatively young. I think 24 at the time of the deal. Todd, I'll give you one. It wasn't Brandon Cooks a first round? Didn't he get yes, a first round? First round. He's been yeah. traded for a first round yeah, twice. So the three different teams, yeah. He's I mean, do it again. I mean, Antonio's significantly better, let's yeah. just be honest. Todd, I'll give you one. Are you going to go spend a pile of money on Le'Veon Bell, who's still, I believe, only 27, or are you going to go and try to get Josh Jacobs or one of these other cats late in the first round or early in round two? I'm drafting a running back. I'm not I'm not getting involved with Bell. I just, for multiple reasons, one is... He's frustrated. He wants his, and I get it. He deserves his. But I can't afford to pay him. And it, it, there are very few examples in the NFL of teams that have gotten to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl where the running back is making the amount of money, percentage-wise, on your sal- salary cap, that he wants to be earning. And so I, I just would – I'd rather have the money at quarterback, at pass rushers, tackles, playmakers on the outside, and even at tight end now. Like, find me different matchup pieces mm-hmm. than dump it in running back. And I, I get it. Like, the last four years, we've seen a bunch of great running backs come in and have success, and it's all good, but they're making rookie money. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with the, you know, all these guys that we've seen, the Leonard Fournettes and the Todd Gurleys and, and so on and so forth. How are you going to spend that kind of money on a running back if you're not getting more than just the running back production? Because it historically it just has not added up. So I don't think this this running back class is great, 
but I, I would take my chances with one or two guys in the, you know, maybe the second and fifth round to try to bring in however you want to play it over just dumping a whole bunch of money and spending too big of a percentage of my salary cap on, on Le'Veon Bell. We know where you're going, right? Fade the running back, Kuiper. <laughs> well, yeah, I think with, with uh, the rookie <laughs> running backs, they may not be a great group, as Todd suggested, and it's not. There's a lot of second- and third-round running backs, at least as far as they're graded, with Josh Jacobs being the only real potential first-round pick. But running backs, historically, it's been proven, can come right in and play as well or better than a five-, six-year veteran who's got a lot of tread and starts to go downhill. So you get the most, the best out of a running back early in his career. We've seen that. And uh, time and time again, they transition so quickly. As long as they can block, they can play right away and play great right away. There's no uh, give me the ball and let me run is basically the concept there. I would rather have a Devin Singletary out of Florida Atlantic with his ton of carries, 700-plus carries, but a lot of production in the third round. Uh, I would rather have a Miles Sanders from Penn State somewhere in that area. Uh, you know, you look at all these running backs, I mean, they are some good. I mean, Damian Harris could slide a bit from Alabama. We were all talking about him back in August as a guaranteed first-round type caliber player, and he got, uh, you know, overshadowed by uh, Josh Jacobs late in the year. Now, how far down will Damian Harris slide from Alabama? We were talking about Bryce Love a couple years ago. As a first-round pick, following in, in the footsteps of McCaffrey, the next great Stanford back. And this year he got hurt, and now where does he fall? So there's going to be a lot of Benny Snell Jr., Kentucky. Very productive, might not have a great 40 time, but it keeps the chains moving. The versatile Daryl Henderson from Memphis, a kid who's got great balance, runs hard, David Montgomery, Iowa State. So with all these backs, uh, you're going to get some production out of this rookie group, even though it's probably only going to be one first-round running back. All right, Todd. You're Jerry Jones. Pour yourself a little glass of Johnny Walker here, and let's evaluate the situation. You can draft a safety. You don't have a first-round pick because you have Amari Cooper, but you can draft a safety on day two, or you can call Earl Thomas and say, man, come back to Texas. Give me two, three good years. I don't know what it's going to do to my cap situation, but I really want Earl Thomas. What are you doing? Uh, I mean, this really comes down to money. It really does. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> what How much are you paying uh, you to Marcus be, Lawrence? You got to be able one. to tell me exactly, yeah. e- exactly what we're looking at financially. And then I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I would, wouldn't, wouldn't do. This group is, is solid. It's not great. There's, there's nothing close to Earl Thomas. There are very few safeties that are close to Earl Thomas. Um, I think John Abram, Barring the medical, because he failed his physical at the Senior Bowl, but coming out of Mississippi State, I know he's only a one-year starter, but this dude can play. He's one of the most athletic and physically gifted players in the entire class. If he passes the medical in, in Indy and everything's good, then I think he belongs somewhere late first, early second round. Deontay Thompson at Alabama didn't finish strong, but showed a lot of flashes early in the season. He's a free safety that can that can run around and do different things. Um, you know, after that, Nasir Adderley from Delaware has has a lot of range, big time playmaker, and the list goes on. So, I, again, I'm not getting you anything close to Earl, but if we have to pay too much at safety, I'm worried. Although I I should say safety, tight end, those inside players that have forever been kind of overlooked, and the the value has been pushed down are starting to rise up because of the way the game's played and trying to get the ball in the middle of the field and the mismatches and, and just creating different ways to 
to find playmakers uh, offensively. And then you have to counter defensively with guys that can play a little bit of linebacker in nickel situations, but also can play safety and cover guys. So the safety position is as important today, in my opinion, as it's ever been. So if the, if the money's not too outrageous, then I would say yes, you know, re-sign him. But if, if it's so bad that you, that it's affecting the rest of your roster, then I, I think you gotta walk away. Yeah. Mel, I'll give you one. Mm-hmm. The Baltimore Ravens <laughs> have gone ahead and <laughs> sent Joe Flacco West to Denver. You okay, Mel? So, I'm good. So you're in a situation sure. here where like you have Lam- Flacco. Remember, he's got Den- Denver now, where, yeah. he, where he broke their hearts not that long ago. <laughs> I was going to say, that. is he still flicking Flacco? He will be. Yeah, he'll be very highly right. motivated to be flicking Flacco again. Yep. <laughs> you have yep. a situation here where you have Lamar Jackson as your, yep. you know, your likely Week One starter by all indications, which is kind of a catch twenty two. Lamar Jackson, yeah, you have your young starter, but Lamar Jackson got dinged a couple times this last year. Um, his health going forward, given his willingness to run with the ball and not always protect himself, has been an issue. So you have this guy out, and it will be a free agent named Tyrod Taylor, who's been in Baltimore before, previously backed up Flacco. Seems like he might be that good ideal backup to a guy like Lamar Jackson. Would you go out and get a guy like that, or would you rather dip into the draft, get a cheap developmental quarterback that could maybe compete with Jackson down the line? What What are you thinking? Yeah, Lamar's the guy, It's just, but there's questions about his passing ability. They're going to have to work with him and get him to be better. And you think about inside throws and outside throws. The outside throw is where he struggled for the most part. The inside throws, he was better. Um, but I think you look at Lamar Jackson running the football, phenomenal, but can you stay healthy when you're going to be able to, you know, you know, get hit as much as you potentially can? It only takes that one shot. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes one time. You can avoid and elude, but that one time uh, is going to affect it. And I think the Chargers proved when you see him twice, like a pitcher in the fourth inning, they could have a no-hitter through three. Get to the fourth inning, wheels come off because they've seen him twice. Once you go around at batting order once, and I think once he went around at batting order with the Chargers once, they saw him out there in uh, California and in L.A., and then he came here, and you saw what happened until late in the game when they were playing a little softer, and they allowed Jackson to get that team really a little further back in the game than I think the Chargers would have preferred because it got a little scary there at the end until they got the uh, Jackson to cough it up with the fumble, which he's been. Ball security with him has been an issue as well. But they're moving forward with him. I mean, uh, he's the guy. Make no mistake about it. It's Lamar Jackson. Uh, would you, know, you? Would you, Mel? Would I move forward with Lamar? You know, mm-hmm. they, once they drafted him, Todd, last year, and Joe No, Flacco, no, I'm asking you. you okay, yeah. you take over. Let me rephrase You're the question. You're asking me. Personally. You take you take over tomorrow. They mm-hmm. they say Mel, get out of your compound. <laughs> Come down to the facilities. Right. Ozzy Ozzy has anointed you. Okay, it's you're in control. Uh huh. What do you do? I think first of all, and you, be you honest. Got, I know you, you have friends there and all of that, but like <laughs> honestly, what would you do? Uh, no, no. We this all could, have, this we, could get Mel in the paper. Down <laughs> Steve Bashotti is listening, <laughs> but no. Once I, I'm. I'm inheriting a quarterback. Okay. I move in. Lamar Jackson's the guy. So you say, okay, you step into that building. Lamar Jackson is clearly the guy. You have to say, okay, I still have questions. You can't not have concerns about Lamar Jackson. There's nobody in that building can say, we know we have a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You can't say that. Now, what we do know about Lamar, nobody will outwork him. 
Okay, he will be a guy who gives the effort. He will be a guy that that locker room mm-hmm. loves and will go through a wall for. We know that. We know he can run like the wind. We know all, and we know he has a strong enough arm. But the accuracy and the mechanical, technical part of throwing the football is something he needs to work on. Now you say, okay, do you need that security blanket in case? Now I would be thinking in case he doesn't, because guess what? He would, yeah, you know, a lot of people thought in the second half of that charge game, he was going to be pulled for Flacco or should have been pulled for Flacco. Then should the have been. Quarter, it got Every, and, and most people in the organization felt that too. So you think, okay, security blanket. We, we're not going to bring somebody in to say challenge Lamar Jackson right now. That this year we're not going that route. We're going to see about Lamar. Okay. But we need maybe a quarterback at some point. To be brought in, and you also need a quarterback, obviously, that if he gets hurt, can do do the same things. You're not going to change your offense to a drop back pocket guy now, but do you draft a quarterback at some point? Is going to be interesting to see. And like I say, if you do, who is it? Okay, are you excited about some of these guys? Are going to go day three of the draft? Maybe there's one out there. Maybe, but I don't. I think right now Lamar's the guy. And in two or three years, Todd, then you figure, do we have to cut the cord here? You'll know in three. You'll I know think next you year. might know in three weeks. Yeah, I, I think Tyrod is your is your best option. Tyrod Taylor for the Baltimore Ravens is the perfect option because deep down, just about everyone in that organization has to know this probably isn't going to work long term. We're hoping we're we're pushing forward. Lamar Jackson, we're going to coach him up. We're going to try to get the mechanics right. We're going to try to get it to where it needs to be. But if we're in a game like that where we should have pulled the quarterback and put in Joe Flacco. Now we can bring in Tyrod Taylor, and he's going to give us at least something vastly more competent than what we were getting at quarterback. And for John, what he he's looking at, and I know he's not making all the final personnel decisions, but if I was John Harbaugh, I would be talking to the front office, to Ozzy and company, and saying, listen, Let's bring in Tyrod. Let's have a backup that we can rely on. And not And bringing in Flacco wasn't an option in that game. It was very clear. Because if you had anyone that was competent, that you didn't feel like it was going to be threatening, you would have brought him in at that point. I mean, he, Lamar was completely and utterly Overmatched. overwhelmed in that game. He, could, mm-hmm. he just couldn't play. So right. bottom line is, I think Tyrod is, becomes your bridge, if you will, as a... A security blanket. And if it doesn't work out, John's going to be somewhere else the following year is my guess. And then you've got to have, you're going to start over as an organization. But I, I wish the best for him. I think he's one of the most dynamic athletes I've ever seen. Unbelievable college player and had a great rookie season for everything that he did. But they've got a defense and they've got enough parts around the quarterback where if you have some competent quarterback play, you can actually get in the playoffs and, and make a little bit of a run. I really believe that. I just I don't know with Lamar that you can. Yeah. Yeah, they have to figure they also real quick have to figure out wide receiver. Uh they have mm-hmm. the young tight ends. They know that. They drafted Hurst and they did a great job with Mark Andrews and and that. So they got the two young tight ends, the focal points there. Yeah, Gus Edwards Andrews did a good was awesome job. this year. I didn't see that coming. Andrews was great. Yeah, I mean, at Oklahoma, you saw him catch a ton of balls as well. But I think you look at if they can add a Josh Jacobs, add a running back that can run, catch, and block like Jacobs can. They like Alabama players. That's who I projected there in the mock draft. Then go out and get some receivers, and that's been their issue, drafting receivers. they got to draft better at that position. They've drafted well at other spots. Receivers been very tricky. I think you look at Lamar, though. I think that game, though, against the Chargers, going around that second line has got to concern you. Once the Chargers saw him on the the field 
in that one mm-hmm. game, how they adjusted. It's one thing to watch a kid on film until you actually play against them. And the Chargers did, and you saw what happened for three quarters the second time around. But by not pulling him for Flacco, which everybody thought was going to happen, like, I'm getting right. Gotta pull, gotta pull him. Put him. Everybody's of. calling me. Sure. Uh, but they didn't. And when they didn't, Todd, at least he saw things happen positively for him. Yep. They can say, well, the Chargers no, played saw, and it was, they, they just let him get back. But they, he did some decent things again when the, he was down big. He scared the daylights. He had the ball with a chance at the end. Okay. He had the ball. And, and then he got the hit and fumbled the ball. But the bottom line is some good things happened in the fourth quarter. So they go into the offseason with Lamar. At least he's feeling a little bit better about himself. The teammates saw him rally him back. And now it's a more mm-hmm. of a positive feeling than it would have been by pulling him for Joe Flacco, who has since now been traded. And all we saw was Lamar Jackson look awful. That's all you can say. He looked awful. But then, after being awful, he rallied the troops. And I think that's something going into the offseason, into training camp, and into next year, maybe gives them a little bit more positivity. All right, guys. One last one. Let's go quickly before we jump into uh, the NFC West here. Todd, I'll let you take this. You're Chris Greer. You're the GM of the Dolphins. Every indication, let's just, let's go ahead and close the book on Ryan Tannehill. Every indication is that's what they want to do. They're going to move on. So here's my question. With a total question mark at the position going into this coming season, you can trade up and get a Kyler Murray. You can trade up and get a Dwayne Haskins. You might have to trade up pretty high in either case. Or do you do a situation where you get a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, take him back to Miami in free agency, probably not cost an arm and a leg, and then hope somebody falls to you at 13? Or maybe you do both. What what are you thinking there at that quarterback situation? Tyrod Taylor maybe is in play too. I'm done playing around. I I Whatever you need, Arizona. And if Arizona's not moving, then San Fran, John Lynch, what what can I give you? So you're calling the That's top it. of the board, and you're getting that you're getting that position yeah. done. And I'm getting if Arizona, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a move with the Giants or the Jaguars, I'll give you more. And that's it. And that's what the Eagles have done. That's what the Rams have done. That's I mean, look at all these teams in the last few years that have traded up and are suddenly happy or at least positive about the future of their Jets. quarterback position. Yep, every single one. So I, I just to me it made. I would be as aggressive as I possibly could, and I would take a bad deal to move up to go get Haskins. That would that would be my approach. You agree, Mel? You know, I, after talking to some people this week, this is the feeling from the league now. Some teams I spoke to, Todd, and I, obviously we speak to different people, but that the teams that made the moves that took those quarterbacks last year. And we can talk about Lamar as kind of a little, he was the last pick and he wasn't in that. The elite group was the big three and then Mayfield was the wild card. We said that going into the draft. We got the elite three yeah, it was, it was and those, Baker. those four guys. All four of those teams have to feel ecstatic. They have to feel like we hit the jackpot. We have our guy yep. and we don't Even have to Arizona? worry about. Even yeah, Arizona I, yeah, with, with so. Rosen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that supporting yeah, cast was so bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and I think they like him, which was the important thing. Will the locker room buy into Josh Rosen? Okay, and they have. So I think, and he, obviously the supporting cast was awful. They have the number one pick in the draft for a reason. I think when you look at those four entities, they feel like we are better off than being in this draft looking at Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, and the others. So they feel they're really ahead of the curve and ahead of the game where we got it done and we got the big timers that look like they were special a couple years ago and we said, 
last August that they were going to run into a little bit of a rough road there because of the supporting cast at USC, at Wyoming, and at different places it wasn't, and UCLA that wasn't going to be allowing them to have the success that a lot of people thought that they'd be magical and spectacular every week. We didn't think that would happen. So I think those teams, those four teams are thrilled. And that's the kind of the thing I'm getting back, the feedback I'm getting from people in the league, that those teams really did made the right moves. Your point is... These guys are iffy. These guys are a little iffier. I agree. Yeah. And I agree. I, I, they would, in my opinion, it would be Haskins, Kyler, after the top four last year, before Lamar Jackson. And Drew Locke. That's how I would rank them. If, where does if they Drew were all Locke in the fact, same draft. Right. Where is Drew Locke right now out of Missouri? Some like him. Some are a little skeptical. I gave him the Washington at 15. Daniel Jones at the end, Todd. Drew Locke is kind of the... I wouldn't say the enigma of this draft. He's probably the toughest quarterback to really evaluate and project three, four years down the road. Yeah, I'll have a second-round grade on But the point, the point is this. Unless you are committed as an organization, and you have to be silently committed to this, that you're just not going to do much at quarterback this year, and you're hoping that you're going to be in the top three or four and then trade a bunch away next year to go up and get Tua, then I think you got to make the move this year. Because Haskins is going to be a significant upgrade at, at the quarterback position. If you think Tua is that special, then you're going to not tell your players, obviously, and this doesn't happen very often in the NFL. I know it's a, a hoops thing, but you're just going to kind of tank this this next year. So it's one or the other. I, I don't think bringing in a mid-level quarterback to win you seven, eight games is doing anything productive for your organization. I'm either all in or I'm all out. Guys, we are going to jump into the NFC West, and we'll get it started right away with the Arizona Cardinals. Josh, am I right? The Arizona Cardinals. I love it the way he says it. All right, we touched on this in the previous segment. Well, let's just jump right in. Mel, Cliff Kingsbury's been right out there saying, okay, I know I've said wonderful things about Kyler Murray in the past. I was talking about a coach who had to face him. But I like my guy. I like Josh Rosen. So mm-hmm. he's done everything right from a PR standpoint to support the idea going forward that, to Todd's earlier point, this pick should be for sale. And if they don't, at least if somebody wants to go up and get a quarterback or trade the world for a pass rusher, which would be surprising. But, uh, Mel, if, if you're, if you're here sitting at one, are you keen to listen to offers? Well, it's going to be interesting. Marcus Golden is a free agent, and he's their their pass rusher. And Nick Bosa is a pass rusher when he's healthy. And he's had the injury a senior in high school and injury this past year, but he's the guy. Um, they have issues other places, but they don't. It doesn't work if you move down at the offensive line. You know, you look at that spot. Do you take Juwan Taylor that early from Florida? I think you know. Unless they get bowled over, and they may. Maybe somebody gives them a monumental offer. It would be tough to pass up. And Nick Bosa does have some durability concerns, and we'll have to see what happens with Marcus Golden. Uh, that, yeah, that they, and they're going to be very active, it looks like, in free agency going out and getting some offensive line to help that group. That was the major problematic area was the offensive line. you got a new coach coming in. You're going to have some new players coming in. You added Charles Clay already cut by Buffalo. You added Robert Alford, cornerback cut by Atlanta to work opposite Patrick Peterson. You've already done some made some decent moves prior to mid-March, okay? So, again, you feel like, okay, let's see where Golden – I think Golden impacts this a little bit. If Golden moves on, then Bosa would make sense unless, like I say, you're bowled over and you figure we can get a guy down the line and we can't turn down a a package of draft picks of that magnitude if, in fact, somebody wants to give all that up. Yeah, I I think you have to look at the situation, Mel, with 
with your quarterback, Josh Rosen, the lack of mobility and the durability struggles in the history. I think the number one thing is you got to protect him. And then you got to find him guys that are outlets. You know, you got what Ricky Seals Jones, uh, Jermaine Gresham, Charles Clay. They, I, I would find a tight end. I'm not saying in the first round, but try to get another tight end, a young guy that he can develop a chemistry with over time. You know, it, mm-hmm. again, it, if it's not in the first round, certainly not at number one. If you move back, it's probably not even there. But get a guy like a, a Noah Fant if he's available early second round. A Tommy Sweeney who can do a little bit of both. Uh, Dawson Knox from Mississippi who's got some developmental upside. So that that's the route. Offensive line you've got to address. And I, if you're stuck at one, I think you have to take Bosa, in my opinion. Or Josh Allen if you think he's a, a more dynamic, explosive athlete. But... At the end of the day, I think you probably let Marcus Golden go, use the first pick on an edge rusher, and then take advantage of offensive line and some weapons around Rosen. You've got to make sure that you get guys for Rosen because he, as good as he is, as smart as he is, he took over the locker room, as you said. He's got a great mind. He throws with anticipation and accuracy. He's probably the most pure passer from that group a year ago. But he has to have a supporting cast to succeed, and they need to put that around him. I'll tell you what, Mel, if they do move down from that first pick, you're looking at a situation with maybe you have a late top 10 pick, maybe you're in the teens somewhere, and then you're probably picking again at 33, which you have, and then maybe again early in round two. So then you start talking about it, 40 picks in this draft are going to be done. I'm going to have a pass rusher. I'm going to have a new old lineman that I like, and I might have that tight end that Todd referred to. I mean, that's what that's what gets really tempting. Yes, the thought of Nick Bosa and Chandler Jones on the same football field changes the way you think you're able to get after a Russell Wilson and a Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, obviously, and a Jared Goff. But, man, once you start playing dominoes and you just have more picks, it's it's pretty enticing. Yeah, and I think Golden and Bosa, that would be an upgrade, but still Golden and Jones was a good tandem there. But so, but Jen, you have to make that first pick in the second round. Those other picks count. This team has to draft better, and I think that's the key element there. Draft better. And they're going to be, like I say, active in free agency, which will fill some of these areas that Todd and I are talking about for the draft will be filled in free agency. And some of these younger players that they have drafted, like DJ Humphreys, the tackle, have to, have to step up and, and, and keep continuing to improve. The San Francisco 49ers. So the San Francisco 49ers, we were saying it at this time again last year, have their quarterback, or at least they did once we got to free agency. They have their quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. The interesting thing is they also kind of feel better about the backup situation if Garoppolo does face future injuries. Nick Mullins was a surprise for this team. Um, Once again, another Kyle Shanahan situation where he was able to you know, at least make it work a little bit with this guy. The question is, Todd, you know, obviously George Kittle emerged. You mentioned Dante Pettis is somebody they're high on. But after that, the question marks start to emerge. What's the future for a Marquise Goodman? What's the future for a Pierre Garçon, a Trent Taylor? Bottom line is you really start to think again about what they have in terms of weapons that he can use in that offense. Yeah, I mean, I think offensive line, you've got to continue to make sure you can protect him. Wide receiver, 
Yeah, Pettis has has some upside. Uh, Pierre Garçon, what do we have left? Marquise Goodwin is what he is at this point. I, to me, I think if, if you're sitting at this point at number two, you just have to take the best player if you can't trade back. It's a lot of the same things we were just talking about with the Cardinals. If you can trade back and get multiple picks, I would absolutely do so. Like if the Jaguars want to move up and go get Haskins or Kyler, I keep hearing the the Jaguars have interest in Kyler, which means they probably don't. But it, if you can move out of two and move back five spots, then you see see what's available at that you know at that point. But if Bosa is available or Josh Allen is available, and you can get an edge rusher, a difference maker, when you've gotten some as Mel has talked about a lot, some of the big guys like Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner who had a big year, Eric Armstead. Let's get a guy off the edge who can make a difference. And I think that's where you go first. And then early in the second round, wide receiver. And we've got a bunch of wide receivers. I feel like you can get a weapon if you're not going the free agency route. And there's obviously been a, a lot of talk about Antonio going here to San Francisco. But if, if you don't go there in the free agency route, a guy like, let's say, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford, a big target. Paris Campbell, who's going to run really well coming out of Ohio State. Debo Samuel, who, you know, there's concerns. Is he always going to keep himself in shape and all those things? But he was one of the best three or four players at the Senior Bowl when he is in shape and ready to go and healthy. So there are plenty of receivers that you can take in the second round, and we've talked about the tight ends too. So I think those are kind of the areas from edge, wide receiver, tight end, and maybe third, fourth round bringing another offensive lineman to create some depth and, uh, and competition up front. What direction are you headed General manager Mel. Well, I think the the pass rusher and and DeForest Buckner really did come on, had a great year getting after the quarterback. But from the edge standpoint, is where Josh Allen could fit in. I think very effectively. Fred Warner was a really good third round pick out of BYU, uh, and I think you look at, at uh, adding a guy like Josh Allen, and, and we don't know if Josh Allen is going to go number one. He could still go number one. Obviously, the second pick, you get down to the third pick, any one of those top three teams, if you really look at it, could use a Josh Allen definitely, even four. Yeah, but I can't ever see him getting that low. I, yeah, to me, they would love to. If you're Oakland, you'd love to have a Josh. But it, I'm I just saying, s- if a team or two moves up for a quarterback, right. I think Oakland would sit there at four and say, "Yeah, we'll take Josh Allen." Uh, yeah, I, I, what are the chances Josh Allen gets to four though, Todd? Five percent. That's 100%. what I'm saying, but if two teams trade up for quarterbacks, then the chances are pretty decent. Well, then Bosa would be in there. You know, so you'd have, you'd say you'd have two quarterbacks, Bosa, and either Bosa or Allen would get the four. I don't think two teams are trading up for toward court. Now, it's happened before. I don't, yeah, you know, I asked about Kyler Murray. You know, I was asking everybody, Todd, because I wanted to put I him know. at four. I wanted to put him at I know, and John. everyone I, I, I talk to says the same thing. It's, he's, he's later first round. Yeah, yeah he, I couldn't he's a get, gamble, could, he's a risk. Yeah, and I've nobody. heard that about so many quarterbacks, yeah. and then we get, we get to uh, mid April, and it's like, Schefter, big tweet, all of a sudden the day yeah. shut down. <laughs> Someone's moved up from 26 to yeah. 4. <laughs> I want to have foresight, Todd. I kind of, pr- you always pride yourself in looking ahead of the game, you know, being ahead of the curve. But <laughs> I business. couldn't get, any, I couldn't get anybody to say, give me even, even any little hint of positivity. I know. To say, yeah, you could. It would. No, no. And I said, no, I haven't talked to John. Because the teams like, that have quarterbacks are happy and the teams that don't, 
don't want to tell us anything. I mean, it's, no, it's, it's the same hard. stuff It's every a year. hard deal. But this I, is it, why it, Mel's yeah. going to be out at some bar at 4 a.m. in Indy working people, Todd. Now, well, John Gruden. I'm, I'm going to drop him off. And <laughs> screaming at me, screaming at me about an inch. Screaming at me for years about an inch. Uh, you know, and now you got Kyler Murray. He, he deserves this. After all the screaming Gruden did, he deserves to have Kyler Murray sitting there at four for him to say, okay, are you going to, are you going to take him? You scream for a lot of years, John. Are you going to take this five, nine and a half quarterback at number four? We'll see. But I think if you look at, at Josh Allen from Kentucky, uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to be very difficult for those teams needing an edge pass rusher to, to say, okay, we're not going to take him. Well, we'll see if that unfolds or not. You know, and I, I just to put a cap on this for the Niners, it, it really is hard to overstate how much the Jimmy Garoppolo injury sent a promising season sideways. This is a team that's picking where they are, but do, if if everything works out, don't be surprised if this is the big turnaround team of next year. And again, yeah. look at their 2018 draft class. Mike McGlinchey, 16 games, played really well, started. Dante Pettis, second-round pick, they're excited about. Fred Warner, third-round pick, played a lot of football. Even Tarvarius Moore, a guy they got in the fourth round, played 16 games. Like There there are some young pieces on this team. A lot of it just really yeah. depends on what happens at the quarterback position and obviously how much yeah, I mean, of a I've, bounty I've they can pile up out of this draft um, if they are able to move down. Sproul, I've heard nonsense about people saying, well, this is – you know." Hot seat year for right. for John Lynch and and Kyle Shanahan. Like, crazy. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. Are you kidding me? You I mean, never want to fire has, a head has exceeded coach my expectations. Would... I, I thought I was curious. I honestly just didn't know. Nobody knew, but he has way exceeded my expectations in terms of what he's been able to do. And find me a team that doesn't have a head coach or just hired a head coach that wouldn't put Kyle Shanahan at the top of their list. So like I everyone's got to just calm down. If you lose your quarterback, you're going to have a bad season and when you're rebuilding like that, it's not like they were the Patriots when Brady went down and and they had a competent quarterback ish and had a, a great football team around him with uh Matt Castle. This is Sam Fran that was really riding a, a hot quarterback at the end of the year 2 years ago. So it's going to be fine. And the bottom line is, even if they're just okay next year, it's still part of a building process. And this organization could not have better leadership, in my opinion, than the two guys that they have considering the circumstances. The Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks are a really interesting team. Um, one of the reasons is that a lot of people thought last year was going to be a big retrenching year, rebuild. They finally really had cut everything from, you know, the the great teams of the years before, the Legion of Boom, full reset there. Count and me yet in. here they were um, yep. competing, basically maybe a play away from advancing in the playoffs. Uh, again, they really showed their resiliency. Pete Carroll showed once again that if you have 11 human beings – and maybe a little bit of a pass rush on the defensive side of the ball that he's going to cobble something together. And holy cow, I called it partying like it's 1985. The run-pass ratio in Seattle and really quietly the efficiency from Russell Wilson as a part of that was incredible last year. I mean, if they can continue to get keep things going in that direction, this is just a, this is just a typical just no-fun team where you're not going to score a lot of points on them 
you got to deal with Russell Wilson, and you have to play really physical football on the defensive side of the ball if they're going to keep things going the way they are. Todd, what are you looking at when you look at this team from a draft perspective? Um, well, defensively, you've got three of your top, I don't know, six defensive linemen that are, are undrafted free agents. Or not undrafted, uh, UFA. Unrestricted, say. yep. I'm so used to writing undrafted free agents on a lot of guys that are getting 30 grades right now. Um, Frank Clark included. K.J. Wright, unrestricted. Earl Thomas, as we talked about earlier. So they, they've got some decisions to make. Sebastian Janikowski, is he, uh, he going to get healthy again? Um, so I, I think those are some uh, – to me, defensively is where they need to go. They, they need to get a couple more – Difference makers on that side of the ball. I, the last mock draft I had, I gave him Jakai Polite, the defensive end, outside linebacker, kind of hybrid guy, pass rusher coming out of Florida. I, I think that could be a spot that they're looking. They always want to get pressure. Ken Norton Jr., like they, you know, and we know the Pete Carroll system. You want to get pressure front four, who doesn't? And I, I think that could be an area that they go, but offensive line, as we get a little bit deeper into the draft, will probably be an area that they look. And then, I still think putting some weapons around Russell, too. I mean, I know Chris Carson had a really good year last year. Nick Vanette is solid. Will Disley turned out to like play a little bit better than we thought coming out of Washington, but he's really a blocker, not a pass catcher. Doug Baldwin's no spring chicken. Tyler Lockett, after that, what do we have? So I, I just think some weapons, but primarily on the defensive side. Let's make sure we don't get too old on that side and continue to get some difference makers uh, in that conference. Mel, I would think, you know, before you take a look at this, um, from every indication, Todd's right, there are some decisions to be made. I don't see a situation where they don't either wrap up Frank Clark or just put the tag on him. I don't think you're going to let a guy who is that productive get out the door without at least the tag. But what do you see when you're looking at this situation? Well, I think of Russell Wilson. That's the theme here is the franchise player is Russell Wilson. He gets hit too much. And we talked about the body type comparing Kyler Murray to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has held up. He's not a scrambler, but he's held up despite getting hit after hit after hit. How many hits can he take? they got to get this offensive line. This has been a recurring theme with them, a recurring year. The offensive line. Last year, you know, late in the draft, you address it, but that's it. You know, wide receiver, none drafted. Help out Russell Wilson. I understand all these other things you can do and you only have one first round pick and I agree I think a pass rusher is something they like to go that route you got, you, there's no question Frank Clark's back Frank Clark is one of the best if not the best pass rusher in the league that nobody talks enough about Frank Clark out of Michigan second round pick well guess what he's a great player and he's a young player you're not letting Frank Clark go so Frank Clark's the Seattle Seahawks, guaranteed. So, but the offensive line's got to get better. Got a decision on KJ Wright. You got Wagner. They got some young guys. Trey Flowers at corner, former safety at Oklahoma State. Jaron Reed. They got some young guys that they're kind of, kind of get this Legion of Boom two coming in now. I just think the offense has got to be fixed, and that, that to me is ensuring that Russell Wilson can can go through a year without getting a lot of hits to that frame. That's that's got to be their number one priority for me. The Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams are no longer picking at the top of the board. They're no longer picking in the middle of the board. They have the 31st pick in this draft. Uh, that, but then again, this is another team where, Todd, they have the 31st pick in this draft, but then they don't have uh, that late pick in round two. I, 
this is one of those spots where I don't know if a team decides, you know what, we're going to, we're going to, we didn't take a quarterback in round one. We're going to jump up and get a Daniel Jones. We're going to get a Drew Locke. I mean, I wouldn't put out of play the idea that the Rams are an interesting spot to move down. You know, 31, you get the extra year of control on a player, but I'd rather have two second round picks than 31 any day of the week. But, and, and, and just as you look at them and what they're going to be doing, this offseason, I mean, there's a decent possibility that, you know, an Indomitian Sue is gone. Um, you know, maybe they have a decision to make on a guy like Dante Fowler. So the defensive line could be a little bit different. But, you know, oh, by the way, you have Aaron Donald. Um, Michael Brockers should be back. So it's an interesting situation where, you know, you they, they are a, a top-heavy team in terms of they have some really talented players and maybe they need to build some depth. I don't know. I'm, I'm just floating it out there. But it, it is a possibility for me at 31. I think absolutely. I mean, Les Need is, has done a, a really good job, in my opinion, and kind of a unique job of, hey, we, we see this window. We got a chance. Let's go get some guys. Yep. And we're not worried about bringing in a Ndamukin Sue or a Aqib Tlaib to match up with a Marcus Peters. And some weeks it was great. Some weeks it wasn't. But at the end of the day, I think he knows he has a head coach that can manage everything. And I think we also know that we're looking at one of the best head coaches in all of the NFL and Sean McVay moving forward. I mean, he's the next guy, in my opinion. So whatever you have, he's going to find a way to make it work. And I, Cooper Cup's going to get healthy. They've got Brandon Cook still, Robert Woods. you got Whitworth at left tackle, uh, Havenstein at right tackle. You've got... Um, Saffold, who's going to be a free agent at guard, so like you've got a you've got a good core, you really yeah. do. I don't think that they have a a need per se that is glaring. I think if you're going to walk away from Sue, nose tackle becomes an issue. I think tight ends a position that you could upgrade, even though you have some depth and some guys. I think if you wind up picking at 31 and you could get an Irv Smith or a Noah Fant, someone like that, to me that that would be an upgrade. And it would be a good matchup piece for him. Like McVeigh's a guy that if you can get an Irv Smith Jr. coming out of Alabama, who you can move around and use in different roles, it just elevates what he can do, and it allows him more flexibility. So I think something like that if they don't move out of that spot. But I agree with you. If you can move out to the second round and get two two picks and attack two positions, I, I think between nose tackle, tight end, outside linebacker, another edge, maybe safety and, and depth at cornerback, those are kind of the needs that I see for this Rams team. You you start plucking away with quality players, two of them versus just getting one in the, the late first. Hey, Mel, I'll tell you this. Uh, your boy Ozzy be interested in this. So the Rams have this first-round pick, but obviously Kansas City has their 63rd pick. And then Jacksonville has their 95th pick. It's been a Baltimore special to New England's also done it well to occasionally take a late first round pick, turn it into two twos, turn it into a two and two threes, turn it into two twos and a three. Like that seems like this is a prime case where, you know, Todd mentioned they need a tight end. Well, it's a good draft at tight ends. I mean, this seems like a team that could. Just, just do some shopping and continually move down and piling up picks. But yeah, yeah, they have to be a little careful. And Todd mentioned Les Snead done a really good job. You have the young coach who didn't, have, you know, 
The Super Bowl wasn't his best day, and we know that. But even with that said, Brandon Cooks catches that football. It's a 10-10 game, and we'll see what happens. Well, you know, then it's then it's all bets are off. Then, but he dropped it, and then the interception. So, yeah, again, for as bad as things went for golf and for McVeigh in that game. Brandon Cooks catches that ball. They may be able to steal that Super Bowl. Now, with that said, this team's going to be a little different. Todd mentioned, and you mentioned, Chris, some of the free agents that are going to be moving on. Not having high picks. They didn't pick a guy until 89th last year. Okay? They got Brandon Cooks. They got Peters. But with Peters, now you don't have the two. That goes to Kansas City. So you went out and you're kind of building for now before golf gets the money. You have to decide on that. So to me, another year where, you know, they don't get a lot coming in via the draft. What will happen this year? What happens to some of these free agents? Uh, I'm with you. I think pass rusher, if Fowler moves on, uh, you know, definitely another weapon in the arsenal, fine. But they got to start, uh, you know, figuring this out again because you have some hits and you're not getting that influx. You went the veteran route. You went the win now route. And unfortunately, in the Super Bowl, uh, didn't get the job done. We're going to take a quick break. Thanks to Mel and Todd of helping me get through the NFC West. Then we're going to take a quick break and then jump into your mail. Fresh stack here. We'll do that now. All right, Todd, you can take this one off the top. Draft Fanatic. Wow. Going right to the point with this handle. At Draft Fanatic asked, does Hollywood Brown's injury push him out of the first round? Or do teams already know what they're dealing with, how explosive he is, and pick him anyway? I think he's a first-round pick. I mean, maybe he's now not the first wide receiver taken. Maybe DK Metcalf goes to Indianapolis and puts on an absolute show, or maybe he's a little overweight. I mean, there's some other guys, too, like A.J. Brown, also from Mississippi. Paris Campbell's supposed to run really well. Debo Samuel, if you're comfortable with his his work ethic and everything else, he's a, a supreme talent. But at the end of the day, I, I think Marquise Brown is different. I think he's special. I don't care what he was going to run for a 40-yard dash. He doesn't have to ever run a 40-yard dash for any of us. On tape, he is one of the fastest wide receivers I've ever evaluated, and he's versatile. I'll work with that every day of the year. All right, Mel. Here's a question. Uh, obviously a rising name. You guys have both talked about him. Oz Cruz at That's Oz Cruz says, mm-hmm. assuming both our needs – so you have a need a wide receiver and tight end as ostensibly. Would you take Hawkinson or a wide receiver there in the middle of round one? For who? I don't know. This guy's asking a hypothetical. Oh, he's just saying no team in general. Just yeah. if, uh, well, I mean, Hawkinson, I don't think gets to the middle of the first round. I think Hawkinson is a guy I projected right now to Detroit. I could see Buffalo looking that way. I could see Denver looking that way. Jacksonville even at seven. Seven through ten could look at TJ Hawkinson. It'll be early for a tight end based on historic data. Uh, but, Again, this is a new league now. This is a new NFL. Do you really care about historic data anymore? I think historic data goes by the boards now. This league is totally different. We're going to have a historic quarterback taken in Kyler Murray in the first round. Never had that before. So I think wide receivers interesting in terms of the mid to late first because this is what I would look at, Todd. Do you think right now it's better to take A.J. Brown, Hollywood Brown, or D.K. Medcalf in the first or wait until the second to take some of the receivers we've mentioned, and I keep throwing out Preston Williams from Colorado State as a guy, five-star recruit out of out of Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State wanted this kid, goes to Tennessee, then he after leaves to go to Colorado State, sits out a year, indoor triple jump guy in the Mountain West Conference, had an off-the-field issue, but this year he's catching 96 passes, had four, uh, 12 catches against Arkansas, nine catches against Florida, He's 6'3 and a half, 210 pounds. He's a gifted athlete. Would you rather have Preston Williams in the second round or one of these other guys in the first? So I think teams are going to size this all up after the combine. 
144 juniors in this draft. I think wide receiver is a lot better, and tight end will be a lot better. I think, well, we've already talked about tight end being good, but wide receiver is going to be a lot better in the second to fourth round than it may be in the first round. We've, yeah, we've been saying this for a month now. It, like, everyone's so concerned about this is not a great draft for offensive skill players, but it's one of the deeper drafts we've had. It's just not elite at the top. So I, I mean, I love the depth at receiver. I love the depth at tight end. I love the depth at running back. I even like the depth at quarterback, you know, compared to other years. But I'm going to get my defensive guy. I'm going to get a pass rusher or an impact defensive player in the first round, theoretically. You know, can't speak for all 32 teams, but theoretically, I'm going defense, playmaker, first round, and then adjusting to the offensive side of the ball on day two. All right. Super nerdy. Who are the best? Joe Bucks fan asked this. Nerd alert! Thought you fell asleep there, Sproul. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Who are the best potential plug-and-play <laughs> guards in this draft? Mel, do you want to take this one? Yeah, I'll go real quick. I mean, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of interior guys. A lot of guys that are tackles that could project the guard. Chuma Adoga from USC. Tackle will he be a guard. We'll see on that. Some people think Max Sharping, Northern Illinois, will kick inside. Jonah Williams, Alabama, guard or center maybe in the NFL. That doesn't even include Cody Ford. Right tackle, probably a guard. Chris Lynch from BC, Reisner, Kansas State, Connor McGovern, center guard, Penn State, Bo Benshaw, Wisconsin, the two kids at Oklahoma, Nate Davis, Charlotte Todd. Center guard, and I haven't mentioned centers yet. This is, again, this is going to be an, a great draft from the second round to the fifth round. I really believe it. One of the, one of the more historically great drafts from round two to round five. I think we should just skip night one on ABC. Yeah, Garrett, Garrett Bradbury from NC State. Michael Jordan from Ohio State, Eric McCoy from Texas A&M, Elton Jenkins from Mississippi State, Michael Dieter from Wisconsin, Ben uh, Bo Benchwall from Wisconsin as well, Drew Samia and and Ben Powers. You mentioned the the Oklahoma guys. I mean, it's loaded with interior offensive linemen, and I know that our producers are fired up. I was going to say interior <laughs> offensive linemen. I was going to say get the ABC, throughout, get throughout the ABC night uh, of the promo NFL draft going. Turn into night two. Oh where you're yes, see a let's roll it in. <laughs> Mel oh, uh, Benchall promos. Chris in Bristol wants to know uh-huh. what are you doing with what is your plan for indie dress code? Are you going to just go full suit and tie? Are you going to take it down a little notch? Are you going to have uh, stopwatches? What are you going with? No, I'm going to leave it up to the, the factual stopwatch, which is something that Todd and I have talked about. I don't want to hear, and I, and being at home and you're there, there, Todd, none of us could get in, but we get these numbers that, that are so exciting and make you think, wow, and you start getting your mind set in that this guy's going to move up, and all of a sudden you get the accurate numbers, and it's like, jeez, what a letdown. Okay? That's like, think <laughs> Kiper, here's, here's That's, what's going to happen. What's that? Here's what's going to happen. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm bringing you a stopwatch. Okay, I'm not using. I'm gonna. It. We're gonna in the hotel. The, the hotel the night before. Right. We, we're gonna. When you get in on Wednesday, I get on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Okay, Wednesday night. So Wednesday night, I'll I'll come meet you in your room. Okay. We'll uh, we'll refine your technique. It's been a okay. while since you've been on the stopwatch. We got to get. You know, mm-hmm. is it is it the is it the index finger? Is it the thumb? Yeah, we got to make sure. I used to chart hang time. Down. I used to chart hang time with Sean Landell. Uh, hey, listen. Day. I know Not you pleasant. used to. It's been uh-huh. it's been a decade or so. I'm just going to get you ready. <laughs> then we're then we're going out to dinner. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. We're going out to dinner, and we're going to keep you out okay. late one night. And we're, All right. Yeah, we're gonna and we're gonna see what happens. We'll see what happens. If you don't show up the next morning, I'll I'll be there. I'll take your hits. It's, it's all good. <laughs> well, the suit answer is yes. I will have a new suit this year. 
All right, guys, Are we're going to do, uh, do a podcast yes. at the Combine next <laughs> week. Um, put out full details on that via Twitter. And then it's going to be really funny, Todd, when Mel starts tweeting out, you know, I got him at 412 on my handheld. Uh, we're going to we're gonna cause a nice buzz. It's going to be fun. But we'll be. be at the Combine next week. Hollywood we'll Brown, you're running down the hall. You're running down the hallway of the hotel. Yeah, and and he's gonna. We're gonna practice on you. Right, that's fine. <laughs> the night before, just to make sure his, yeah, that he's ready. That's seven point five eight forty. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All that's, right, guys. We'll, uh, we hit the uh, we hit a bunch of interesting free agency versus draft versus trade hypotheticals. The NFC West in your mail today. We'll be doing it live from Indy next week. Should be fun. That's First Draft. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.